Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here from, of course, the Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, we post the latest news and trends right there for you on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos. So go ahead and check that out today, plus all of our social media. Also, as well, go ahead and subscribe today on the Pop Culture Cosmos, and you too can get the latest information on when we go live on the air with the latest Pop Culture Cosmos, PCC Multiverse, State of Pro Wrestling, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and more. So go ahead and check it out on YouTube today when you subscribe. Plus, also as well, the Lakers Fast Break, Game Source, and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Also, as well, you know. The best tabletop RPG action in town is, of course, Vampires and Vitae, plus Wild Beyond a Witchlight with Wizards and Wine. Go ahead and check out those great YouTube channels today and also wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, of course, we do everything for you at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. You can always get an archive of what we're doing there. And if you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without our returning queen of pop culture. She is the amazing one out of Vampires and Vitae. Don't tell Robbie, her husband. But it is indeed a great person. You got to go ahead and check her out today when she's there or at Wild Beyond a Witchlight with Wizards and Wine. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross. And Melinda, we have come. Now, full circle, a week after the Knowledgeable Part 1 class of Robbie Ross, Professor Robbie Ross on Warhammer 101. If you didn't get an update on that, please check out the last episode or on YouTube. How's it going, my friend? Hey, man, it's going pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, busy. Yeah, I hear the that. the best word for that because pop culture, since the turn of September has been running wild, not to use the Hulk Hogan euphemism, but it has been running wild with a whole bunch of stuff going on, not only in pro wrestling, but television, with the writer strike now ended. Hopefully the SAG strike can end soon after that. So some shows are getting up in, uh, you know, up and about. It's just amazing to see. And even Buddy Gold from Croc Radio, who's joining us in the audience now, Hopefully he will go ahead and make sure that he checks out a lot of the great stuff that's going on in pop culture because he gets it from us right there on Croc Radio each and every time out for all the stuff that we do there. But tell you what, so much is going on at video games, television, movies. They're starting to heat up, especially next week with some Taylor Swift action, my friend. Oh, man. And you know what? I was expecting, oh, man. Robbie even just said, you know, we should probably go to the movies soon. Do you think he'll get suspicious if I start making friendship bracelets? <laughs> Actually, I just bought some off of Amazon for my eldest daughter <laughs> for her birthday party that's coming up here. 
and uh, yeah. she's she's a teenager. Well, she's going to be an adult here in just a few weeks, so she'll be 18. But she wants to celebrate it. Part of it is friendship bracelets. So you know what? If Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs is making friendship base bracelets for his teammates, and if the ratings could go sky high through the roof on NFL coverage whenever she's there, absolutely not at all, no problem by me. Next week, we are going to go more depth in detail on the advance, the huge advance for the Taylor Swift movie for out for limited time. You do need to buy your seats soon because it's already $100 million in the kitty so far. So a lot of tickets already been sold. But it's just so funny. Before we start the show, I've told you just now, and I know you've already know about or already on social media about how it's blown up on the NFL between the rumored romance between Travis Kelsey, the Kansas City Chiefs, and Taylor Swift. But it's so funny, though, because NBC, you know, they, they had the primetime game, and they, you know, with uh, Kansas City heading into the New York, uh, the New York area to face off against the Jets. And you see Taylor Swift and her entourage coming into the arena or the stadium in this case. And it's just so funny because she walks in, she gets the whole prompt right underneath her Taylor Swift right there for you. If you didn't know who that was, but in the back, Blake Lively is there. She's (laughs) only seen a few movies, but directly behind her. And then walking out in front of her were two nondescript bearded guys who just happened to be starring in the biggest movie of next year, Deadpool three and Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds. I thought it was so funny. They completely ignored (laughs) literally standing behind and walking in front of her on the program. I just thought it was hilarious. It's all Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift. Forget about Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. Yeah. I feel like Sophie Turner was there as well, but I I could be wrong on that. I I thought I saw her anyway. I know that the two of them have been spending some time together, but I'm not sure about going to football games, but I thought I saw her in that picture. Uh, Alan just wanted to give you a heads up. Yeah. Last week, the writers guild uh, came to an agreement with the movie studios. So they are now back to work at various things such as like, for instance, late night talk shows, afternoon talk shows, although the Drew Barrymore show, because those writers have revolted because of what happened with them trying to come on early and start that early why they were still striking. But uh, I know that anything writing related uh, is still now underway uh, because of the strike. That part of the strike is over, but acting that is still ongoing and it includes video games because they recently decided to add on any video game uh, work done by actors to be uh, persona non grata because of what's going on with the strike. So let's hope the screen actors guild strike can be done soon because that will help us out because the entertainment, you know, it's going on fast and furious right now, Melinda, and there's a lot to talk about there. But at some point in time, if we don't hurry up and get the SAG strike over and everybody comes to an agreement, there could be a little bit of a problem and a little bit of a lull either later this year or early next. Yeah, uh, my money is on uh, later this year. I I think by the time we get to early next year, uh, you know, if things get straightened up, I think that things will catch up with themselves. But yeah, it's uh, I think late this year is going to be quite dodgy again. Yeah, I I agree with you. But for now, we've got enough to talk about on today's program. It's a lot of stuff that indeed, because you and I have a little bit of catching up to do. There's been some season enders. Uh, and that I do want to go ahead and discuss, and also some season beginners that we'll discuss as well when we talk about, of course, Star Wars Ahsoka. How did it end? Also, as well, 
Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. And of course, what just started was Loki. I actually caught the first episode just before we went on the air. So I want to go ahead and share some general thoughts out there on it. I'm not spoilerish on that yet. So we'll go ahead and talk that about that on today's show. Plus also as well, Melinda and I are going to be talking about a series I think that you really need to check out on Netflix. It's getting extremely high reviews and a 10 on IGN. So I'm going to tell you about the fall of the House of Usher to get you in that October mood. Plus also as well, what's going on with the box office this weekend? And is Universal setting itself up for failure with their movie coming out this weekend? We'll talk about that. Plus a major shift in pro wrestling or no? As we talk, Adam Copeland, formerly known as Edge, he just jumped to AEW as well. And speaking of Edge, or someone named Edge, The Edge, as part of the U2, recently performed at the Sphere, the beautiful Sphere, where we're at here in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. You know, in the if on this YouTube channel, if you look below, you're going to see our largest video ever is a shot of the sphere as it debuted on the outside. Well, in the past week, they debuted it on the inside with what everybody is raving about, the sphere, an 18,000-seat. It's not a full arena. It's actually like an 18,000-seat, what, like cathedral? Amphitheater. Amphitheater, cathedral-type deal where it rises up on one side, 18,000 people. 70% 70% or 75% of which of the seats are haptic. So you actually will feel more of the vibration of the, the whole ambiance that's going on on stage. Then they have the stage down on the floor in the middle. And then all around you is the digital view and the digital performance and the lights and the whole, you know, just basically a, just think, imagine like a marquee enveloping you with all the just the just the sensory perception that you know actually almost an overload of sensors sensory uh just type the deals where they're storing a whole bunch of lights images sounds you know everything that's going on it just got rave reviews youtube's performance there they're doing a a you know they're doing a residency there so they'll be having several more shows but your thoughts on youtube at the sphere um, actually, a friend of mine uh, called Isaac. Uh, hi, Isaac. Um, he uh, managed to get some tickets to go check out that that YouTube show of the opening night. They and weren't cheap, I'll tell you that. No, they certainly experience. weren't. Wow, it was incredible. And a hundred dollars to park, please. Yeah, come on. Um, but all of that aside, uh, the video that Isaac took was incredible. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a ton it, of it video really out was. there. Like it, yeah. it, that the the part where it looked like that block of writing was like falling down through the whole sphere on top of everybody. It was just wild, wild. I mean, worth the price of admission. I can't say for sure, but it has certainly piqued my my interest. And you know, I'm gonna wait until something more affordable <laughs> comes along besides you too, uh, before I get a chance to go check it out. But uh, it's definitely uh, on my list of, of must to must do things uh, in Las Vegas. At the very bottom is the Formula One stuff because I'm over it. But the the Sphere stuff, yeah, I'm very excited for that. Well, Formula One hasn't hit Las Vegas yet. We're still yeah. not even ready construction-wise yeah. if you see that area of town. Oh, but man. We'll see what they can do on that. But when it comes to U2, it's funny because U2 is like, oh, that's your dad's uh, group or that's your mom's group. That's not anything relating to today. But then again, they have one of the best documentaries on pop culture we've seen this year. Yeah. And also as well, they now have one of the best live performances 
outside of Taylor Swift and Beyonce. Not trying to get into, get out, don't <laughs> yeah. want any of the, the beehive. Or, or, uh, yeah, <laughs> or, or the Swifties on me on that one. Outside of those two, they have one of the best live performances of the year based off this, what we've seen so far, just absolutely raving. So if you get a chance, you're in the area, please go ahead and check out the Sphere here in Las Vegas. It is truly worth your wait. And if you want to see what it looks like on the outside, it's right below on our YouTube channel, Pop Culture Cosmos. It's absolutely easy to see and you'll be able to enjoy it. And I'm sure that you have a lot of questions and a lot of things to say about what's going on at the Sphere. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. But my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program when it comes to Star Wars Ahsoka. Oh my gosh, Star Wars Ahsoka. It started off a little bit of sloka, as we said before, <laughs> but you know what? Unlike the Book of Sloba Fett, it actually finally, about halfway through, really hooked me in, really got me going, and it started to really get me going in a place where I like to see because... As you know, the rumors of a Star Wars movie building to this as a climax where it's the battle of Grand Admiral Thrawn versus the Mandoverse, because you'll have the Mandalorian, you have Ahsoka, you'll have all those different, probably even Boba Fett back again. You'll have all those forces coming together in the Mandoverse, Baby Yoda, you know, and all of that coming together to battle against the forces of Grand Admiral Thrawn. And, you know, as we end, the series uh the season excuse me season one because there's a season two that they're or they were already filming when the strike happened right season one it looks like that unfortunately grand admiral thrawn through the i guess uh, the blind uh you know friendship that sabrine sabine wren had she decided to go ahead and make the ultimate choice to save a friend in order to endanger a galaxy so Grand Admiral Thrawn looks like he's headed towards picking a fight with the New Republic once again. Your thoughts on Star Wars Ahsoka Season 1? Again, slow burn, slow build, but unlike the Book of Boba Fett, where it did have a Book of Boba Fett did have try to you know spruce things up with the Mandalorian trying to come in and save the day there. This time around, it seemed like they they once they got over the, into the third and fourth episodes, they really got their groove going and they really got you hooked in. Yeah, you. I mean, I know you keep saying that it was slow in the beginning. I enjoyed it from the first episode. Oh, there um, you go. See, you know, I, yeah, I really did. Um, I when you when I was talking, I was like, "This is a series that I am excited to watch." And you were like, "It's so slow." I was like. Are you sure we're watching the same programming? I just didn't, I didn't understand where you saw that it was slow. Because but. it was just the after effects of the Clone Wars. And they just think like, you know, you're just reintroducing themselves because they were in this essence, reintroducing themselves, not only to the audience that had seen them before in all the Dave Filoni animated uh, shows and series sure. that they were in, but they were introducing themselves to a new audience uh, coming to Disney plus that had not seen it before. So in order to do that work, it had to be very descriptive and it kind of had actually to, for me, just to, it had to build, they had to explain some things in order to explain some things. Sometimes it takes a little bit more time for 
for me anyways, from what I saw. Okay. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's where the difference was because, you know, I, I was going into it, not familiar with the clone wars, you know, it, I am, I, Neither not... I just, I didn't see a whole lot of it, just a few, couple episodes here and there, but it just never really hooked me, but it wasn't until this show that I really like, maybe I should go check more out. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 it didn't make me want to go and check more out, but it made me excited to, to catch a second season for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what though, it is very good the way it ended up with the, not a cliffhanger per se, because you already know that that Grand Admiral Thrawn is in now the general universe where most of the stuff is happening. While spoilers, Star Wars uh, has now Ahsoka and Sabine Wren supposedly trapped in the galaxy Grand Admiral Thrawn was trapped in. Now they're trapped in. So, you know, I think everybody knows that by the time all is said and done, Ahsoka's going to find her way to where she's needed the most. Yeah, I, th- I think, isn't that the kind of the Jedi way? <laughs> isn't course, that just absolutely. seems to be what happens, right? They just well, show up yep. where they're needed. Well, uh, Ahsoka needed the star whales to get there in the first place. So, Fair. you know, it's all about just hitching a ride with those whales. I feel sorry for those whales. They're just like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, you know, both in the animated series and here. Just back. Hey. They just feel like transportation. They're like an Uber. Yeah. Well, sometimes you just stick star to what you Wars know. Uber. Yeah, Yeah, you just stick to what you know and you're fine. Okay, fair (laughs) enough, fair enough. But I will be talking more in depth with this on a future episode with Jeff Sabota from the MCU's Bleeding Edge because he's already DMB'd this week. I got to talk Ahsoka with you, Joe. And I said, you know what? You got it, my friend. Absolutely. We'll be able to sit down with you a little bit more on that. But I did enjoy ultimately my time with it. After, you know, episode three on, it really started to get me involved and get me in there. I really enjoyed the chance and opportunity to see it. So, Hopefully you will do the same. It is not Andor level, but it's still pretty darn solid. And I do give it a really good thumbs up. It is, of course, Star Wars Ahsoka. If you've seen Star Wars Ahsoka, please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Alan saying, is Ahsoka better than Andor? Still think Mandalorian is best except last season. I'm going to say it like this. I'm going to put Star Wars Andor number one, Alan. And I'm going to put Mandalorian season two, the number two, and then I'm going to put Ahsoka number three, and then I'll go Mandalorian was no, season one was kind of up and down for me, but I'm going to go with that's my order right now. And then then you can put in Kenobi, and then you can put in Boba Fett, and you can put in all that. So uh, that that's something that you could probably go ahead and into on that. But yeah, I'd probably say Andor is number one. Ahsoka, I would put number three right now behind season two of The Mandalorian. Because season two of The Mandalorian was pretty darn good. Uh, that was some of the best of pop culture for that year came out as well. But uh, there's more great stuff to talk about, my friend, besides Star Wars Ahsoka. Because also this week, this is this is what I had envisioned for Disney+, Plus, Melinda. You want to know why? Yeah. Because I envisioned a world where they would take their two most popular uh, entities their two most popular IPs, Disney plus and put them in a week where you have one at one part of the week and another show on another part of the week. And unfortunately it's going to only be like one week for us, but we did get season two of Marvel's Loki. Then that just started. That just, if you're watching now, it just actually debuted here a couple hours ago. I got a chance to go already. Go ahead and check it out. Uh, I know the advanced word is not as high as season one so far for the first four episodes. People who have 
reviewers who have had a chance to see it. I thought it was okay, but it got a little technical. So, you know, Melinda, it's like, think of it like Star Trek. You the techno babble? Really yeah, the techno babble, but also the fact that, you know, when they go time travel, right? you lose people. Sure. And you really need the actress to buy in to what they're talking about. Right. And I'm not sure when they read the script, Hiddleston and, and, and Kia Kwan and, and Owen Wilson. I'm not sure if they bought into the script 100% while they were talking about it, because it just seems like even they were kind of a little bit off on it, but you know, just the sheer magic of it being on being something that hopefully we can continue with it. And then at the very end, there is a, after credit scene. So I will let you know that I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I will let okay, you good. know there is one that I think that uh, I think you'll like it, but again, it's just the, the pop of last uh, season. It's not there yet, but it's still for what it was. It was okay. It's just a lot of people talking and a lot of conversation, a lot of technical stuff pertaining to the timeline, how it's branching out and how it needs to They're deciding whether or not they should try to stop it or let it just, keep on flowing yeah just call it chalk it up to an educational episode where they've got they've got to explain it so the audience understands what's about to happen that just means that maybe this season with the time travel stuff is just going to get super complicated so trying to explain it up front is probably all that they were trying to do whether or not they've succeeded i don't know but well let me ask you this when you talked about loki season one of the past what were your thoughts on how it ended with uh with Sylvie, which is a variant of Loki, uh, disposing of the original He Who Remains, which could very well lead into all that, what well, actually did lead into all these timeline branching outs and the possibility of, of what you've already seen already in the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania of all these different variants of He Who Remains either coming together and deciding to go ahead and uh, you know, create a war amongst themselves or even worse amongst the people out there in the universe. <laughs> easy question. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Super easy. Um, look, what, what, all that I can say for sure is that um, if you, and I can only do it, because I try to put myself in the the chair of a storyteller. So like when I'm when I'm trying to run a D&D game, it's not the same thing, I know, but it's the only thing I can equate it to. Mm-hmm. And when you have a character like that make a major play like that, there has to be fracturing and there has to be uh, complications from it and there has to be reaction to it and it has to affect the game or the show moving forward. Otherwise why are you even telling that part of the story? So I, I'm I'm curious to see how they're going to handle it. I'm curious to see all, how all these different timelines are going to interact. I'm, I'm very interested in what's going to happen. Um, I've, it, season two of Loki is one of the shows that I've been very much waiting for. So um, all I can say is I think that they have set themselves up for an awful lot of different stories. And as you said, And the one thing that I have always complimented Marvel on that I think that they are so good at doing is taking it and being able to have it kind of echo through all of the other shows, through all of the other uh, movies as they come out. So I I just think that it's a it's a it's a huge concept uh, to try to wrap your gourd around. But once you once you get there and once you see how they handle it, I I think that uh, we're all going to kind of sign up for the ride. 
Well, that's just the thing. Marvel hasn't been able to connect the dots and be able to put out the kind of quality stuff in recent weeks and months that we're kind of used to seeing. They'll get there, I think. I think that they've they've stumbled. They've lost their way a little bit. It is a major reset. I mean, this phase was going to be a rough phase for them, no matter how you tried to slice it. Like, it, it, it was going to be a tough sell. Um, so I think that uh, they're, they may be overcomplicating it a little bit with this much of a, a wild storyline, but I think that if they do find a way to tell the story through the movies and, and connect it through all of the TV shows and stuff, if they do find a way to get back to that, um, I, I think that we're in for another wild ride with Marvel. Well, let me ask you this. How important do you think this is, this series is to the future of Disney Plus or Disney for that matter, or Marvel? for that matter. Let me explain why. Because in recent months, we have seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. After initial great weekend, it actually fell off a cliff and a lot of people have some bad feelings about it. Uh, and as far as the way that ended up and, and pretty much eh, probably ended the Ant-Man franchise uh, for good finally on that one. Then you had Secret Invasion, who everybody like myself was really hyped for, Return of Nick Fury, kind of an interesting story and plot line and as far as the concept of it anyways with the shapeshifters really getting into the uh, possibility of what that could do and unfortunately that did not pan out very well amongst audiences out there ratings and also as well critical reception is concerned so you go into this at least and also there's been other missteps along the way even in 2022 a little bit of hits here and there, but for the most part, it's not been the most successful 18 months, let's say, for Marvel and Marvel Studios. Your thoughts on how important, in fact, for Disney Plus as a whole, they've lost viewership. Uh, they've talked about cutting back on Marvel and Star Wars and cutting back on, on content as a whole, bringing out new content and less and less. Your thoughts on how important Loki is to the future of Disney and Marvel? I've honestly, I've, I th I do think there's a lot riding on season two for Loki, you know, and I mean, depending on what's to come in the Loki series, I, I don't know if it's going to set up any of the movies or not. And I think that that's what people are going to continue to expect from Marvel because they have been so successful at it in the past. And uh, if you're having Marvel movies and shows that aren't connected to each other, uh, then it starts to feel fragmented. Then it starts to kind of give me the same feelings that uh, you know watching a dc movie gives me you know because so star I, wars oh, i'm just gonna say star wars now seems more organized yeah than marvel at this point especially the fact that i talked about the mandoverse eventually you will see either one film or three films with grand admiral thrawn at the head being the the darth vader emperor type deal matched up against the new republic and the mandoverse because they all come together in order to go ahead and fight Grand Admiral Thrawn. So you're seeing that in a lot more organized fashion than what you used to see or what you're currently seeing from Marvel, which is actually turning the tables around from what it was five to seven years ago. Yeah, and I think that, um, I, I, I honestly, I think that anybody who's trying to tell uh, stories as complicated as the Marvel Universe or Star Wars or DC you really need to look at what Marvel did and you need, you need to take that stuff and apply it to what you're doing. And I think that uh, the people with Star Wars realize that and that's what they've started to do. 
Unfortunately, I think that Marvel has started to forget how to do it. And I think that they're going to start feeling that effect from it. Um, unless they've come to their senses and they have some stuff set up, um, you know, through the season of Loki. Okay. Well, again, this is to me, a, a, I think a little bit of concern as someone who watches a lot of pop culture and who understands that Disney, which also has been talked about as possible selling off its assets, you know, ESPN, Disney, ABC, yeah. they've all been talked about parts of it being branched off. And it's just, you know, you're, you're not hear, hearing things for the first time that I thought I would never hear in my lifetime about how stable or unstable it is right now when it comes to Disney. So it just seems very concerning to me how much is riding on Loki from the way it was the last time around. Because the last time around, Loki season one, it was a very pleasant surprise. It was really good. It's considered one of the better, if not best, Marvel television series that's out there in season one. So I think that they're in a different position now. Yeah, sure, they have a lot more subscribers than they did in season that season one. But the thing is, the expectations were different. The expectations now are a lot more. And it, now they really have to deliver. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, I think that if if they don't find a way to set something up in this, this uh, season of Loki, I, I think that... Um, we're just going to be in an absolute rebuild phase for Marvel going into this last phase. The future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's not writing on Loki, but it sure could be helped by Loki and what's going to happen later on with the Marvels. Those two, if they really do well with audiences, I think it really give a nice boost to Marvel that they could surely use heading into 2024. Yeah, I think that they desperately need it, to be honest. What are your thoughts out there on Loki? Season two drops right now. In fact, it dropped a couple hours ago. If you haven't checked it out already, go ahead and check it out. And then please let us know your thoughts on Loki season two, episode one, Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Well, my friend, one half hour down, one half hour to go here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, and of course, right here at the PCC Multiverse. Thanks so much for watching listening. It's Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos, Lakers Fast Break, and Inside Sports Fantasy Football, along with my good friend, Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. It is October, my friend. It is. And October is supposed to be the scary month. I stopped Spooky by... What, season. I stopped by a place I used to manage uh, for four different uh, Halloween spirit, Halloween stores uh, you know, here in the Las Vegas area. We stopped by one, one of my daughters and I, and to see how much more they are twice the price than what I used to sell them at. They're, they're a little taller. They don't do a whole lot more. They still have the canned dialogue, but you know what, again, you know, if you like those, those different, you know, aesthetics, as far as the type of scary things out there, of course, go for it. And obviously we're seeing the different influences Barbie selling. Well, looks like, along with a lot of other different costumes. In fact, on an upcoming episode, we usually have an annual, what are the most popular and most trending Halloween costumes? So either on the multiverse or the cosmos, I got to do that, you know, as far as get one updated for everybody out there, just to give a, 
uh, an update on exactly what's going on. But if you are shopping for a Halloween costume, do it now. Yeah. Do it as soon as possible. Do it in September. It's basically the best advice they give to people. August, September is when you should start shopping for your Halloween costume. That's probably the best advice I could give. But as we head into October, you're going to start seeing more and more horror movies coming out. And no, that does not count with the Taylor Swift concert movie out there. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Nice so, <laughs> yeah. So I'll just, you know, in case anybody's going to say that out there. But Saw uh, has not done great. Saw X, which is the latest movie, horror movie to come out, the latest in the long line of Saw movies to come out. Uh, even though it wasn't given uh, horrible ratings, it actually given decent ratings. Unfortunately, it's not generated into that kind of action. I think late September, it's really hard to generate a consistent audience. I know the id movies have done well in September, but outside of that, it's really hard for most movies to generate the kind of audience needed in September. The creator, which uh, I really was really hoping as far as that, as far as a sci-fi flick, unfortunately that has not fallen on good times as well. But when it comes to October, we're seeing something now with this weekend with The Exorcist and The Exorcist Believer, which is coming out this weekend. It put, Actually, it was going to be on the weekend that the Taylor Swift movie was on, but then the Taylor Swift movie was announced and, the, and Universal said, no, 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 yeah. we're going to go ahead and say bye-bye to that week. So they moved it a week up. Smart. And, and it's going to be coming out to about expected to be around 25 to 35 million here domestically, probably about 65, 75 million dollars worldwide. That's OK. If this was a low budget horror flick, the only catch is, Melinda, yeah. Universal has reportedly back in 2021 purchased the rights for an Exorcist trilogy of movies. For four hundred million dollars. Man, oh man. So and your man, thoughts I... on this. This is just crazy that I when I heard it, I'm like, you know, the Exorcist may not, in all the original forms, may have not done four hundred million dollars in its yeah. lifetime at the box office. I understand DVD sales, VHS sales from the original, that might have generated that much enthusiasm, but your thoughts when you hear when I say Universal in 2021 spent $400 million on the rights for The Exorcist in order to generate a trilogy of movies or more similar to what you're seeing with The Conjuring, which has been such a windfall. The Conjuring has done everything right, you know, branching off in The Conjuring movies, The Nun, all the other, you know, they've done like everything as far as branching off and done a brilliant job each and every time. Where do you think it's going to go all wrong for The Exorcist? While you do, well, while you do that, I'm going to spin my head around. Okay. <laughs> yeah. oh. That there just looks uncomfortable. Are you okay? <laughs> uh, I'll need a chiropractor here after the show, but that's okay. okay. All right. All right. Um, 400 million. I, you know what, uh, Universal, if you're listening, I have a vampire story to sell you. If you, if you, if you have that, they won't have any money for it because well, of the I was just gonna say, that they're going to take, and it would be a bargain. I, I'll tell you that compared to 400 million. Okay. Uh, Too late. All of, just a couple all of, of 2021. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, better late than never. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that here's a statement for you. I think that horror movie fans are the same as country music fans. 
Now, before you get upset, <laughs> I'm not saying that country music is horrible. Don't uh, add her. Yeah, no. What I, what I'm saying is that um, it's, as far as the radio industry goes, country music fans are known to be the most loyal radio listeners that you can have. If you can attract a loyal country fan base as a country music station, you are you have it made, right? I feel like the same goes for horror movie fans. If you can attract a horror movie fan to a particular uh, series of movies, um, then you're you're gonna have it made. Even if they're bad, they compare it also to cold pizza. Even if it's bad, it's still kind of good. Um, I I just feel like the exorcist name itself um, is going to uh, attract people into it. Even if it's a disappointment, um, they still got to see an exorcist movie on the big screen. I'm sure that the, the effects are going to be absolutely phenomenal uh, as far as horror movies go. But one thing that I have noticed with horror movie fans is that it's not always the big flashy effects that work. Sometimes it's just, you know, fishing cable tied to a doorknob that you pull. Yeah, um, or jump you know, scare. Yeah, or a jump scare. Like I, I'm a sucker for a jump scare. Like no, uh, yeah. it's terrible. Yeah, it's awful. Um, so maybe they're gonna find some kind of balance there. But I, I just think that that that's what they're banking on. They're banking on the loyalty of the IP, uh, to get them through, even if it is a stinker of a movie. But that's the thing, though. Okay. Yeah, it, we haven't even talked about the cost of the movie or anything like yeah. that because the horror movies, like The Conjuring, worked best when they were making that would cost ten to fifteen, ten to yeah. twenty million dollars, ten maybe yeah. thirty million dollars at the most, but they would generate uh, seventy, eighty, one hundred, two, almost two hundred million dollars per movie each and every time out. This has to generate that kind of amount even before the cost of the movie itself before the cost of of any advertising because if you spent 400 million dollars on the rights to the exorcist as what's been reported on as what's been reported on each and every time out you know when you've seen these these articles on there if you're talking about that I mean, that's just to break in that's just the cover charge before we even talk about the cost of the movie so Already you're down $400 million before you even started. So even if this movie was flopped this weekend, they would still have to justify it by probably bringing out another Exorcist-type movie, whether it's related to this one or not. Anyways, just to justify the price tag that they spent on in the first place. Well, just because they drop big money on like the the name Exorcist, perhaps what that means is the movie is going to be you know a lower budget movie, which I think forces the the effects team uh, to be very very creative and do things in unexpected ways, and I think that that is what excites horror movie fans. You know, oh, but, you know, for all I know about horror movies. But let's say it's like a thirty million dollar movie to make or forty sure. million dollar movie. This, you know, still, I mean, that's. Again, no matter how much it costs to make and how much of, if it earns a profit as far, as far as itself, it still is a loss right now if it does only $100 million for its lifetime. If it only does that, then it's still, you have to consider a loss. It doesn't matter if it turned a profit against what it originally made, especially because you simply because you've spent so much money on getting the rights to that IP in the first place. 
Right. Okay. So look at it this way. Perhaps we're going to do the first movie and perhaps the first movie isn't going to do everything that they thought that the first movie is going to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's the best plan? What, like, what is the greatest thing that you can always do? You can always go back to the source material. There are enough terrifying stories out there of possession and poltergeists and all of that stuff that you can go and you can draw from and you can pull from. And I, I just think that the, the world is your oyster as far as, as writing a horror movie goes. And if you do start having to rely on the second or third movie in a trilogy to make the money, um, then you better have a, you know, a pen and notepad with you when you go to the theater and you're going to watch the reactions of the audiences. Are they freaking out at the times when you meant to have them do that in the movie? What are they saying as they're leaving? Take it as a learning experience. Understand that you're going to have that loss, but man, oh man, you better come through big time on those second two movies. The thing is, though, with The Exorcist, it has to generate at least three movies, if not more, in this timeline. It has to yeah. do something similar to what you're seeing with The Conjuring. Conjuring is one, what, it's eighth, ninth? Something, yeah. Something like that. So if it does that, if we're talking 10, 12 years down the line, and it, we're on our eighth or ninth Exorcist movie from Universal Pictures, that's golden. That $400 million was well spent because that's probably means that they've generated probably a billion, billion and a half, maybe even a $2 billion in total for those eight or nine movies. That's fine. But again, and all it was, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is this movie, what it does, if it flops, you are going to see the executives at Universal probably do the same thing with their heads as in the uh, in, in the Exorcist, spinning back and forth as far as from the money that they're losing up front. It's what happens if they try to do something else in the Exorcist universe, and if that flops too, then they're really some heads will roll for sure. And I'm well, using the pun, pun included I mean- on that one. If you're making a $400 investment, see, I hadn't considered that. And if you are looking at eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 movies, uh, then, you know, it's an investment uh, over a long period of time. And and maybe they will over that many movies be able to at least come close to making that back. That's, that's just the cover charge. That's still not including any cost of the films themselves. So they'd have to cover that plus yeah. the cover charge in order to go ahead and make a profit. I, yeah, to so, me, if that would have been presented on my desk, I would have said, you know what? I'll make my own horror movie. Thank you. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to Bloom House. I'll talk to A24. They, I'll work with them on something because doing the $400 million for The Exorcist, eh-eh, eh-eh, eh-eh. Yeah, it, that was a that's a, that was a, a big spend. Uh, that was a big Brinks truck that that backed up that day. Yeah, that's for sure. yeah exactly. For who, <laughs> whoever owned the rights to the Exorcist that allowed them to go ahead and do it, indeed. But yeah, I mean, good for them for managed to make that kind of a deal. This is true. This is yeah. true. But what are your thoughts out there on the Exorcist believer? Are you going to have your head spinning to go ahead and check it out this weekend at the theaters? Or do you think it's Universal is going to be the one that's doing the spinning after they see how much money they might lose at the box office? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. 
stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, we still got some more to talk about before we head on out. I do want to go ahead in this continuance of the October, trying to get all in the mood, you know, as far as trying to get some scary stuff that's going on or murder, as it were. So, you know, not real life, I'm hoping out there. Please, everybody stay alive. But Follow the House of Usher debuted on Netflix as a series starring Bruce Greenwood and several others. Uh, Actually, a modern day telling of the Edgar Allan Poe dictation that uh, has been so revered throughout the years and this retelling is getting really high marks including a 10 on IGN so your thoughts on this I know it's not hit the number one out there or maybe if it did it was just for very briefly you know because everybody we always relate it to okay on Netflix oh has it hit number one on Netflix okay don't tell me unless you don't talk to me about it let's see it's number one yeah this is getting some garnering some good reviews. It might be something that people might want to play closer to Halloween, but this series is getting a lot of notice, regardless of what people are talking about, because it's just pretty darn good. I'm going to be checking out, hopefully, starting this weekend. And I'm looking forward to something really good because the advanced word on Follow the House of Usher is really good. Yeah. Um, when I saw the teaser trailer for it, uh, it looks I- good. Oh man, I like I it, I almost jumped through my computer screen. I was so excited about it. <laughs> Truly, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a massive. I would editor. like to see that happen. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, hard to do, but I'm sure I could make it happen. Um, but no, like I'm I'm a big Edgar Allan Poe fan. Uh, you know, I remember discovering Edgar Allan Poe when I was like 15, and you know, I I thought that it uh, it made me I don't know interesting and introspective. I I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, since then, I've just started to enjoy Edgar Allan Poe for what Edgar Allan Poe is. And yeah, The Fall of the House of Usher is one of my favorite of his stories. Uh, I'm glad that they didn't go with, you know, one of the one of the more, um, I'm not, I don't know, one of the more common things, I guess. Like they didn't try to do a retelling of, uh, oh my gosh, of course, Brain Leaves My Body. What's well, as far as uh, some of the works from Edgar Allan Poe? Is that what you're yeah. asking? Yeah, so, The Raven. Yeah, The yes. Raven. You know, I'm just glad that he didn't. They didn't try to do, you know, a retelling of, of the Raven or or something like that. I, I think that it's, it's a it's a good call, and I'm I'm glad that, you know, his his work is being introduced um, in a new, fresh, and interesting way. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, no, it looks like it hits the right tone. Um, you know, with everybody sitting around that table and everybody looking upset about something, and oh, great! So excited. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's getting really high reviews and high marks. So if you could let us know if you're catching Follow the House of Usher on Netflix this month, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And speaking of Netflix, they recently have, well, you might be still able to catch it. I'm not sure if it's gone off there yet. But the old Dune movie has been much talked about, (laughs) even possibly... (laughs) <laughs> talked about as far as a director's cut of that but dune on netflix has sparked some new interest as far as the old movie and in a kind of bumbling move by warner brothers they decided 
after they went ahead and pushed back Dune 2 to February, did not decide to push back the debut of Dune on Netflix to January in order to go ahead and capitalize on that interest, especially Netflix, one of the leading streamers out there. In fact, the leading streamer out there in the entire universe. Seems kind of dumb on their part to go ahead and release it this month if you don't have the movie coming out, the sequel coming out next month. Your thoughts on Dune, which I am going to check out again for the fourth time, just because on Netflix. Although it probably won't be the best resolution. I think that you'll probably, for the best 4K, you're probably going to have to see it on on the you know Max for that. But your thoughts on Dune hitting Netflix, probably not exactly when WB should have put it back, put it on. I've, I've honestly, I will probably be watching it from now until January. In fact, Robbie and I watched it last night. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just—it's so good. It's just ridiculous how it, it, the movie has no business being as good as it is, to be honest. But I, as soon as I heard that it was coming on to Netflix, I would have been like, "Yes, awesome!" Just to ramp you up for the movie coming out in early November. Right. Oh wait, they pushed it back to February. Right. But well, really what it what it, I think what it gives you what it gives people a chance to do too is people who have heard about it and haven't watched it have been kind of on the fence of watching it and they you know may they might get around to watching it in November you know that kind of thing. I'm sure that there there are those people out there who haven't listened timing. to it. Timing. Timing. Yeah, I mean it's not optimal, but I don't think that there's anything too terribly wrong with it to be honest. If the old Dune movie was getting that much, that many views that they decided that it was time to put the new movie out, then, you know, I think that that's telling something about the interest of it. I don't think that that's going to go away. It's created a lot of uh, actual talk as far as the old Dune, the original version of the Dune, David Lynch's version uh, version coming out when it did on Netflix and has created that kind of uh, conversation uh, that, you know, talk about maybe finally reviving a director's cut uh, for us because there's so much footage out there and it was so panned. And you can tell if you watch it, it why it was so panned and so cheesy and, and and not well thought of at the time. But now that you can look on it with a little bit of rose colored glasses, maybe you can take it for what it's worth. I did the other, uh, I think about two months ago, I caught it on Netflix and, you know, to me, it's still the way it was back when I watched it <laughs> in the 80s. But need I digress? But Dune, the 2021 version, if you get a chance to see it on Netflix, if you've not seen it yet, I highly, highly recommend it because it is literally one of the best movies of this decade. And I am so excited to see what happens in Dune Part 2 that now that it's been pushed back to February, it just makes it oh so much more tantalizing. But, you know, again, uh, you know, it is coming out on Netflix, so at least at least going to a larger audience. So hopefully they'll be more aware of it when it finally comes out in February. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have been on the fence uh, over watching it, uh, you know, please, please do do Gerald and I a favor and go ahead and and just watch it. Just make absolutely. yourself some snacks, plunk yourself down on the couch with a little blankie, and go ahead and watch the movie. You're not going to regret it. It's not a waste of your time. I promise you. And then let us know what you think about Dune, the old version versus the new version. And are you now excited after watching it on Netflix if you're excited for the sequel coming up in February? PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, just a couple other issues and news and notes before we head on out. Only Murders in the Building. Speaking of mid ended its season three this past week on Hulu. 
didn't get the kind of notoriety uh, that the previous two seasons had, even though it had Paul Rudd and also Swell, you know, some great actors and actresses and just, just Meryl Streep was a major part of this season as well. And my gosh, it didn't get the kind of love, I think, but still enough audience love to generate a season four as Hulu on the day that the, on the week that the actual season finales come out announced that there would be a season four in play. And of course they set it up for such at the very end. I won't tell who, who, who did it because I did get a chance to see it, but your thoughts on only murders in the building getting a season four. I think it's great news. I also think that, uh, you know, it, it's great news for Martin short. <laughs> yes. Well, he was a, a little bit under the gun by one particular writer who wrote an article, I think on one of the major publications about, how his shtick is talked. He just really talked a lot bad about, you know, uh, his legacy and about how his shtick never appealed to him. And, and then a lot of actors and actresses had to come to Martin Short's defense because, and Martin Short has a stick. I compared to Ryan Reynolds, you either right. like his shtick or you don't. And yeah. if you don't, it's just, it's not going to be funny for you. And, and yeah. if it is, it's going to be appealing to you. So it take it for what it's worth. I thought it's entertaining. Again, I, I didn't mind it. I liked the season overall. It was okay for me. It wasn't quite as high notes as season one and season two. But you know what? Uh, having Meryl Streep and and Paul Rudd there just thought made for an actually pretty good time for me. But hopefully season four will continue the good notes uh, going forward. But we'll wait and see. But before we head on out, my friend, a couple last things. Diablo 4, a lot of the coming in the future. You know, Diablo 4 has had a good start, kind of got some rough patches along the way with some updates, but the creators and developers are talking about revamping the ending for Diablo 4. Your thoughts on that before we head on out? That's cool. I haven't played the ending yet because I can't find the time to sit down to play the video game. <laughs> mm-hmm. How, imagine my frustration. Oh so upsetting when it like another week goes by and i'm like man i didn't even play my game this week it gets very it gets me very upset but you know i finally got my character from 28 to 31 so i'm making some progress you know some of the quests are in play all that kind of stuff but no i i'm nowhere near uh where i wanted to be at this point uh in terms of playing the game so if they revamp the ending fantastic it's you know i'm, I'm not going to know any different so I'm, I'm all for it. I'm sure that people who have played the game, though, it may intrigue some folks. We'll see what happens, my friend. But mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to go on with Diablo 4, especially when that acquisition and merger goes through with Activision yeah. Blizzard. I would love for it to, to appear as part of the Xbox Games Pass, which I have conveniently signed up for as I'm trying to even jump into Starfield and I played a little bit of Wolfenstein, played a little bit of some other stuff as well. So definitely would love to have that added to the mix on Xbox Games Pass. So hopefully that will be the case before the end of the year, uh, once the merger is complete, which is looking more and more like it. So we'd love to see that. But what are your thoughts on Diablo 4? Are you still playing it? And are you happy about the possibility of a new ending for Diablo 4? Let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Last news and notes, uh, this past weekend I had on John Orlando. It was our monthly State of Pro Wrestling. We talked about a lot of various things about WWE, where they stand after the acquisition and merger between them, Endeavor, and UFC, and now that happy love fest, now that 
you know, Endeavor owns the company and not Vince McMahon. Uh, we also talked about AEW after their 80,000 seat event, you know, big extravaganza in London and all in. Uh, you know, we talked about that at length about their ratings and numbers ever since. Well, AEW in recent times might just be getting a boost because about two hours after we went off the air, Adam Copeland, a.k.a. Edge from WWE, his contract expired on the 1st. And wouldn't you know it, he ended up decided not to go ahead and extend himself with the WWE, even though he admitted that there was a contract offer available to him. He decided to jump into the world of AEW and appeared on the Wrestle Dream uh, pay-per-view this past weekend. So I want to hear your thoughts on this, my friend. Edge is a name that has at times made evented some of the largest venues and some of the largest cards and most important cards in the past two decades uh, outside of his neck injury that he was out on the shelf for uh, for quite a bit. But he did come back and he was actually made evented to WrestleMania here and there. And he's one of the biggest names of this century. Your thoughts on Adam Copeland jumping to AEW? I, I think that it was a smart move. I think that... Uh... The everything that I saw was all bad press about the merger and the amount of wrestlers that were let go, uh, people who uh, are just no longer with the company. And, uh, it, you know, all of those people now need a home and you have this new up and coming. Sorry, not new and up and coming, but you do have, uh, you know, this in general speaking, um, you know, kind of new kid on the block with the AEW. And I can only see that helping their cause, you know? Absolutely. And they do need it after what happened with CM Punk and his departure from AEW. Yeah. You lose the main eventer, John Moxley suffering a concussion. He has been on the shelf for a little while. Uh, they have Adam Cole who, who came back over from WWE. He unfortunately broke his ankle in three places in real life. And unfortunately is yeah. on the shelf himself. So pretty much right now, with uh, if you want to mix in Brian Danielson, outside of that, it is just MJF at the top of the card. So trying to build more top-of-the-card wrestlers right now seems to be a priority for AEW. Yeah, and, and I, you know, obviously they're aware of that, and, and I'm sure that that's one of the things that uh, they're probably working the hardest on. So uh, I, I just think that it's, uh, it's really fun to be the underdog. Let's no, put it that way. We'll see what happens, my friend. But what are your thoughts with Adam Copeland, a.k.a. Edge, who's now the rated R superstar, which is, you know, kind of the thing that he was known for in WWE. He was able to get that moniker and transferred over to AEW. What are your thoughts on Adam Copeland jumping to AEW from the WWE? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, you knocked it out of the park once again. You superstar among all superstars here in the world of pop culture. Any last thoughts before we head on out? Yeah, um, I'm interested to see actually, well, I don't know that I'll see it, but I'm interested to follow along with what's going to happen with uh, the Exorcist stuff. It was a, it was a, that was an interesting conversation. I, I will be following that. Come on, hold on. I'm going to spin my head around just for you before we go. Okay. All right. No pea soup, though. Hold the pea soup. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. God, that's I disturbing. won't be doing the vomiting thing. That's yeah, just don't do that. I, can't, I cannot do that on yeah. command. 
Yeah, Max Monsido, uh, yeah, bless his soul, he's unfortunately no longer with us to go ahead yeah. and just exercise it for me. So yeah, yeah. Okay. I actually had a good lunch. I don't. I want to keep it down. So, we'll <laughs> right. so for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.